And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Big Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, and we thank you for being part of today's program here on The Truth Will Set You Free. We ask that you get your Bibles ready as we prepare for our program today, a wonderful program that we have titled Egypt's Fall. You don't want to miss it. But before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host, Nathan Jones, if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, again, we thank you so much that we could be tuned in another week to study your word. I Thank you so much for uh, my brother, Vic, and the many years we've been able to host this podcast. Lord, I thank you for all the people who have tuned in. Uh, we get so much good feedback from people all over the world who say they're growing in their relationship with you because of this podcast, and I just praise you for that. Uh, Lord, guide us through Ezekiel as we continue to try to understand the prophecies you've given him for us to understand today. In your precious and wonderful name, amen. Amen. Again, you're tuned into a Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Big Batista Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministry. Our program today, the title is Egypt's Fall. So stay tuned. And before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host to the program, Nathan Jones. Nathan, great to have you on again. Hey, brother. Happy, well, just happy spring, man. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) I was almost going to say happy summer because that's almost here, believe it or not. Yes. Yeah, that's true, man. Uh, you know, Texas, we're in Dallas, might have some freaky weather, but we have beautiful springs here, lots of wildflowers. So I hope you all tuned in there, enjoying the, the spring weather and the summer to come and uh, excited about diving deep here as we continue going through the book of Ezekiel. And Nathan, speaking of which, in case someone has missed any of our series here, podcasts, might you be able to share with them how they can get a hold of those resources and also what you and I do for the ministry. Oh, absolutely. Well, you've tuned in to The Truth Will Set You Free. It's the podcast outreach of Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry, and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. Uh, Folks know us primarily through our television program called Christ in Prophecy, which airs on Daystar and other major networks, his channel and Pray.com. I'm co-host along with Tim Moore. And uh, folks, you could check out these podcasts. Uh, Maybe you've tuned in through uh, iTunes or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or even our own RSS feed, but you can also go to our website at christinprophecy.org. Go under Watch Podcasts, and the truth will set you free is there. We also podcast our television show, Christ in Prophecy. Any radio interviews we do, we also have those listed there. And our founder, Dr. David Reagan, for 20 years had a radio program called Christ in Prophecy, and you can listen to many of his teachings. They were only 15 minutes long under Reagan Classic Radio. So check our website out, ChristinProphecy.org. Amazing. Thank you, Nathan Jones. And if you, of course, if you want us to come out and share a message in Bible prophecy or biblically related, uh, reach out to the ministry. We would love to come out and also speak uh, there. Nathan, we have a wonderful lineup of volunteer evangelists as well as staff evangelists. And I think we've added one more recently, right? Right. Well, uh, when Dr. Reagan retired about two years ago, and I, when I say retired, he, you know, old ministers never retire. He, he's been <laughs> writing many books. Uh, Tim Moore, one of our associate evangelists and board member, has taken over as director. I remain the internet evangelist. Uh, Vic and 
uh, Dr. Patrick Oliver, our, our assistant evangelist, and now a new pastor from uh, from Phoenix, Arizona, Dave Bowen, has joined us part-time as we were calling him our teaching evangelist. He writes a blog and does a video teaching one day, uh, day a week, which you can check out on our Christ and Prophecy YouTube channel. And uh, you can also catch, Dave's been in our uh, Feasts of Israel series, which we've had on Christ and Prophecy. So a uh, brilliant guy, uh, he's really loved for the Lord and knows the Bible prophecy very well. Uh, you can check out on Christ and Prophecy, we have a playlist called Deep Dive with Dave Bowen. And I think you'll be blessed if you tune in and uh, watch those, because he brings some very fascinating insights into parts of the Bible that we never really considered. Absolutely. Thank you, Nathan. And we want to give a shout out to uh, Dave and, and welcome him also, as well as um, Donald Dalmas, uh, who's uh, does In Defensa de la Fest, the Spanish uh, side of the ministry. So just a, a wonderful opportunity for people, right, Nathan, to have individuals come and share uh, at their venues. Yeah. You know, a lot of folks don't know that our materials are also in Spanish through Defensa de la Fe, if I pronounce that correctly. Uh, Donald's our interpreter down in Nicaragua, and we can pray for Donald. Life in Nicaragua is very hard. Of course, it's a socialist regime, and uh, he's trying to consider all options about you know, whether he should move to America or Costa Rica. So please pray for Donald that he can continue doing his work, preaching in churches throughout Central America and translating our materials and doing online evangelism. Uh, Donald, like you, Vic, have been a friend for many years and if you're a Spanish-speaking person and want to get Bible prophecy materials uh, to help uh, reach people, then go to indefensadelafe.com and defenseofthefaith.com. And Donald has quite a number of materials to help you grow in your faith and reach out to the Spanish-speaking world. Mm. Así es, que no tienen excusa por sintonizarse. I just say they don't have any excuse for not tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it brings me back to those days, Vic. Uh, the early years when we used to do the show both in English and Spanish. <laughs> well, as people know, Nathan, we have a lot of fun here. Uh, so we really enjoy um, sharing about the wonderful news of the Lord's return and sharing through the word of God and uh, sharing the resources that are available. And you and I have uh, b really been having a great time making our way through uh, the book of Ezekiel in a chapter by chapter, verse by verse format. And it's been it's been it's been an amazing study. We're getting some really good feedback from individuals that have been tuning in. And we just want to continue to do that, to just let the word of God, let the Holy Spirit open up the word of God to our listeners. And we find ourselves, Nathan, today in Ezekiel chapter 29, again, with a message that we have titled Egypt's Fall. But prior to that, uh, Ezekiel is getting these amazing visions and God is showing him some amazing things of things to come in the future and also during his present time. And in our previous programs, we talked about the fall of Tyre, the fall of Sidon, and uh, we're going to get into the fall of Egypt. But Nathan, it's been really a wonderful journey, right, so far? It has. You know, folks some, sometimes come up and say, well, you guys have been working through Ezekiel. It might take you a year. And I think they're right. It might take us a year, but we've done that through the book of Revelation, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Zechariah, and many other books of the Bible. And it's amazing when you just read the Bible verse by verse and let the Holy Spirit speak, you learn Bible prophecy, you learn about God's victory, and you learn other life application skills as well. So uh, I think it's a wonderful format for studying the Bible. And I know you as a pastor, Vic, have been preaching many years verse by verse. I, I enjoy topical occasionally, but I think... Uh, really the model for teaching verse by verse is the best because the Holy Spirit can then reach different people where they're at 
and you learn a variety of topics and maybe not just one particular topic when we do it this way. Absolutely, Nathan. And that's why we want to encourage people, hey, get your Bibles ready. Dive in with us to this amazing teaching, the book of Ezekiel, and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you what he wants to say to you. So, Nathan, as we pick it up in chapter 29, chapter 29 through chapter 30 actually tie in together speaking about the destruction of Egypt. So today we're going to cover a little more ground in case some individuals were not part of our program. And we're going to be reading through a few more verses so that individuals can follow along with us. And uh, Nate, a quick background. Can you give it to us in terms of what's been going on here lately? Yeah. So uh, just recap the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel takes place about 2,600 years ago with the fall of Jerusalem. So the northern 10 tribes had been taken away by the Assyrians in 722 BC. And then Nebuchadnezzar started attacking and exiling in three great exiles, the Jewish people out of Judah and Jerusalem. And so the last prophecies we had is uh, Ezekiel went into exile. He's one of the first. And the Lord sent him back to Jerusalem to tell the elders, hey, your sins have caused us and brought this upon yourselves. So the Jewish people are going into exile. But, and the Lord wants Israel to understand this, that because of their evil, they will be exiled for a time. And we know, thanks to Daniel, that it would be 70 years. And they would allow a, a believing remnant to come back and rebuild uh, Jerusalem and, and start repopulating the country. Though uh, Israel would never know the self-control anymore. A short time under the Maccabeans, but for the most part, until 1948, Israel has, hasn't been under self-rule. Uh, the Bible calls it the time of the Gentiles. In the time of the Gentiles, the Gentiles will trample the city and the temple, Jerusalem, until the Lord returns. And so even though Israel is self-run and self-governed right now, the Gentile world puts a lot of demands on Israel and has a lot of control over Israel. So we're looking forward to the day the Messiah, the return to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem and start the millennial kingdom. But for now, as Ezekiel is giving these messages from the Lord, he also wants the Jewish people to understand that they're not being singled out for their sins. The Lord has judgments on those nations that rejoice in the fall of Israel. So like you said, Tyre and Sidon, which are city-states, which are now inside the country of Lebanon, we read prophecies against them, which came true. And now we're in chapter 29 and 30. We'll be reading about the fall of Egypt. Now, if most people know that Egypt has played a major, major role in the history of Israel. I mean, 400 years, the Jewish people were in servitude and slavery in Egypt, and the Lord rescued them in Exodus out of Egypt. Throughout Israel's history, whenever their faith waned in the Lord, they ran to Egypt for help, and the Lord would punish them for that. He said, hey, you need to depend on me alone and not on Gentile nations. And uh, but, so now we read that Egypt, even into this day, now even though it has a tenuous peace with Israel, uh, you know, big wars with Israel in the past, and uh, a lot of uh, attacks like the Yom Kippur War, and so... Uh, Egypt still has a prophetic future in that it'll be one of the nations that comes against Israel in the Psalm 83 war. So uh, Egypt is not st quite going to stay at peace with Israel. So this prophecy we will read is a punishment for Egypt for their willing participation in seeing Jerusalem fall. But it has prophetic implications to our future when Egypt will be punished for its continual attacks against the newly restored nation of Israel. Nathan, and that's fantastic because when we speak of Egypt today, if you mentioned Egypt, 
especially people that consider Egypt in its ancient uh, ways, all they think about immediately is, is a pyramid and, and Pharaoh. And of course, <laughs> that's pretty much as soon as you say Egypt today, people just think pyramids, right, Nathan? And, and like you mentioned, I love the background. Uh, 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 Egypt has a great history. It's had a lot of pharaohs. And uh, uh, the pharaoh is more like a title, like a Caesar, like a, 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 the pope, if you will. But throughout history, they've had many pharaohs. Uh, individuals rising and falling uh, in power. And here now, we're going to be looking at the Pharaoh in a sense that's uh, ruling during the time uh, of Nebuchadnezzar. And we're going to see the fall of that modern Egypt, if you will. So Nate, will you be able to pick it up with me there, chapter 29, uh, beginning on verse one, if you could read verses one through seven. Okay. In the 10th year, in the 10th month, on the 12th day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, Set your face against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and prophesy against him and against all of Egypt. Speak and say, thus says the Lord God. Behold, I am against you, O Pharaoh, king of Egypt, O great monster who lies in the midst of his rivers, who has said, my river is my own. I have made it for myself, but I will put hooks in your jaws and cause the fish of your rivers to stick to your scales. I will bring you up out of the midst of your rivers and all the fish in your rivers will stick to your scales. I will lead you in the wilderness, you and all the fish of your rivers, and you shall fall on the open field. You shall be picked up or gathered. I have given you as food to the beasts of the field and to the birds of the heaven. Then all the inhabitants of Egypt shall know that I am the Lord, because they have been a staff of reed to the house of Israel. When they took hold of you with the hand, you broke and tore all their shoulders. And when they leaned on you, you broke and made all their backs quiver. And then we look at verse eight and says, there, therefore, thus says the Lord, surely I will bring a sword upon you and cut off your, your man and beast and the land of Egypt shall become a desolate and waste. Then they will know that I am the Lord because he said the river is mine and I have made it. Indeed, therefore, I am against you and against your rivers and I will make the land of Egypt utterly waste and desolate from Mignol to Cyrene, as far as the border of Ethiopia, neither foot of man shall pass through it, nor foot of beast pass through it, and it shall be uninhabited 40 years. I will make the land of Egypt desolate in the midst of the countries that are desolate and among the cities that are laid waste. Her city shall be desolate 40 years, and I will, well, I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them Throughout the countries, verse 13, yet thus says the Lord God, at the end of the 40 years, I will gather Egyptians from the people among whom they were scattered. I will bring back the captives of Egypt and cause them to return to the land of Pathos, to the land of their origin. And there they shall be a lowly king, shall be the lowliest of kings, excuse me, kingdoms. It shall never again exalt itself above the nations, for I will diminish them so that they will not rule over the nations anymore. No longer shall it be the confidence of the house of Israel, but will re remind them of their iniquity when they turn to follow them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. What an amazing passage, right, Nathan? It is, because it's a prophecy against Egypt for its continual uh, pulling and drawing Israel away from God, you know, it's it, it, it's some side of me. I feel a little bad for the Egyptians at this time period because it, Israel would 
their faith would wane and they turn to Egypt for help against their northern aggressors, whether it be Assyria or Babylon. And it's like turning back to your slave master and asking for help. Well, Egypt would at times, as it suit their needs, help Israel. But in return, God would say, because you helped Israel, I will punish you. And so as one respect, I don't think the Egyptians knew the spiritual significance or the crime, you could say, the spiritual crime of what they were doing. Uh, but because they continually pulled Israel away from the Lord, God would continue to punish them. Now, by the time we get to the Assyrian reign, uh, the Egyptian empire as a, as a world power had pretty much waned. Egypt was the past. Assyria had taken over the Middle East. And now we're getting up to Ezekiel's time period here. About uh, This is the 26th dynasty. And the pharaoh that it's referring to here is Pharaoh Necho II. And he ruled from 610 to 595 BC. So this would be about the time period of, of Ezekiel's time. Now, there'd be other pharaohs as Nebuchadnezzar continued to move south and take exiles out of Jerusalem. Following Necho II was Samtik II, and he ruled from 595 to 589 BC. But the pharaoh, who was pharaoh when in 586, when Nebuchadnezzar finally destroyed Jerusalem and took like Daniel and the others up out of Jerusalem and, and up into uh, Babylon, that was Hophra, also called Aprius, if I'm reading it correctly. So Hophra was the pharaoh of this time. So I think what you said earlier, Vic, we're, this prophecy isn't against a one particular pharaoh, whether it's Necho or Samtik or Hophra, but it was against the pharaoh line, the pharaohic line, Egypt. He's, in other words, Pharaoh was the government. He was the king. He ruled supreme. And so it's really a, a prophecy against Egypt for its continually uh, getting involved in Israeli affairs and pulling the Jewish people away from God. Nathan, and that's a very good point. And by the way, for those of you that just tuned in, you tuned into the Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministry. We're looking at Ezekiel chapter 29, talking about Egypt's fall. And Nathan, what I you're absolutely right because throughout history of the pharaohs, their tendency was was to think that they were like God, that they were in control of things. They worshipped. Uh, uh, the river, they worshiped everything. And here we also notice that God is also uh, proving a point to them that they just created things. As we look there in chapter 29, verse 10, that remarked that they were, uh, in a sense, pride saying in their heart, the river is mine and I have made it. And Nathan, uh, what a sad state it is when individuals try to take the place of God. You know, it was very clear in the in the in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, that God hates idolatry. Uh, God hates uh, any form of idolatry or anyone who tries to worship uh, anything other than him. And it was part of the uh, the commandments that God had given. And, and again, we see here that God sort of like also wanted to discipline uh, uh, these individuals by, by, hum by humbling them so that they will recognize that they're nothing more than man. Good, well said. Uh, they really forgot that 800 years earlier when the Lord freed Israel from Amenhotep II and the Pharaoh of the Exodus is that the Lord brought 10 plagues upon the, the land of Ex uh, Egypt during the Exodus. And each of those plagues was an attack on one of the various gods of Egypt. Because like you said, the Pharaoh uh, over the centuries raised himself up in godhood to be worshiped as God. And so what does the Bible say? The first two commandments, uh, God only and no idols. 
So what was Egypt to Israel? It was an idol. It was a false god. It was a false hope. And the Lord wanted Israel to remain separate from the world and pure and dedicated to him as an example of the perfect relationship between God and chosen people. But Egypt just kept getting in the way of that. So God here is proclaiming judgment on Egypt that Egypt, like Israel, would fall to Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was the Alexander the Great of his time period. He was an amazing, the most powerful king of Babylon. And it's interesting, we'll read later in Daniel, uh, or you can read later in Daniel, how Nebuchadnezzar himself had a tremendous ego and wanted everybody to worship him, even built this 90-foot statue so people could worship him. You know, it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So it's amazing how when you give absolute power to man, it corrupts them absolutely. And we see these guys who start out as public servants, maybe heads of households, and then they, be, they, they grow to become presidents, and then goes to kings, and soon they think they're messianic characters. But the ultimate goal of, of any perversion of man by pride is that they start placing themselves in God's place. You know, it's we read about that, right, Vic? Just about how Satan, that, that's what happened with Satan. He started put, getting prideful. And he started looking to himself as God to be worshipped. And mankind just follows that same pattern. Nathan, and that's a very good point because we spoke about that uh, early on when we were looking at the fall of Tyre, where it transitioned from Tyre kingdom to suddenly this individual uh, called Lucifer. And we talked about the spiritual warfare behind the kings and the kingdoms and some of these individuals who actually even demon possessed. And we see the influence of the enemy behind these pharaohs, behind these kings, where they actually start to believe that they are God, that they are like God. And God here shows them, hey, there's always a bigger fish in the pond. And that's what we notice picking it up in verse 17 through verse 21, because now God is going to say, hey, Egypt, you think you're so big and so mighty. Watch what other instrument I'm going to use to bring you down. Nate, would you be able to read verses 17 uh, through 19 for us? And I'll pick it up in verse 20 through 21 in case someone doesn't have a Bible. Verse 17 begins, and it came to pass in the 27th year in the first month. On the first day of the month that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, caused his army to labor strenuously against Tyre. Every head was made bald and every shoulder red raw. Uh, yet neither he nor his army received wages from Tyre for the labor which they expended on it. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, surely I will give the land of Egypt to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He shall take away her wealth, carry off her spoil and remove her pillage. And that will be the wages for his army. I have given him the land of Egypt for his labor, because they work for me, said the Lord God. And that day I will cause the horn of the house of Israel to spring forth, and I will open your mouth to speak in their midst. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Uh, Vic, I got carried away there. I read your passages. I'm sorry. That's the, hey, Nathan, thou shalt not steal, man. We were just talking about those commandments in Exodus. <laughs> oh, no. Forgive me. I, I just got, I was so in, enthralled by this passage. I just read your lines. Uh, you can take it in the next chapter. How's that? <laughs> that will do that. But no, that's okay because it is exciting, right? When you start reading into this and you see how the passages just flow together and you see there the passing of power. And behind it all is God's, God is in control. It's his providence. And, and here teaching these individuals a lesson uh, by every time he closes the passage, he says, then they shall know that I am the Lord. And, and I just love that. 
I do too. And it's interesting what it, it says here because it ties in with this earlier prophecy. Now, remember when when the Lord made a prophecy of destruction of Tyre, it was a two-part prophecy. Tyre would fall in two stages. The first stage would be Nebuchadnezzar, which is contemporary with Ezekiel, would go down and besiege the land side of Tyre and destroy it. Matter of fact, he would only destroy it. He would level it so that the fishermen could spread their nets on it. The second half of the prophecy would be that the Tyre also, the people had escaped to the an island off Tyre and built Tyre there. I mean, it had already been there, but they, they basically moved the capital from the mainland to the island and had quite a battle with Alexander the Great before he destroyed that city, which we covered in previous podcasts. But it's interesting that the point that the Lord makes here, he says that, that he is behind the armies of Nebuchadnezzar. God is using the Babylonians to destroy uh, the, his people who had gotten wicked. And you could read that in the minor prophet Habakkuk, because that was the pray to the Lord. Uh, Habakkuk is, is a prophet, and he's praying, and he's like, Lord, uh, the Jewish people have just gotten so evil. What are you going to do about it? And God doesn't say, oh, Habakkuk, I'm going to bring revival to the land. He says, I'm going to destroy you with the Babylonians, which really caused Habakkuk to be confused and disconcerted. But that's exactly what happened. God used Nebuchadnezzar. So when he says that the army of Nebuchadnezzar was his army, that's very much the truth. And that's why God humbled Nebuchadnezzar later on, because it went to Nebuchadnezzar's head that he was responsible for all his successes when it was really God. And so God could give away Tyre and he could give away Jerusalem. And as we read here, he could give away Egypt to pay for the armies of the Babylonians to do the Lord's will in this respect. But, and we got to remember, but there's also prophecies against the destruction of Babylon as punishment for coming down upon the Lord's people in Jerusalem. Boy, that's a twist your mind, doesn't it? So the Lord will punish the people for going against his chosen people. But for now, the Lord's going to use Babylon as his instrument of, of justice against these nations. Nathan, that's an excellent point. You know, I, I'm brought back a reminder when you first started reading chapter 29, verse uh, 3, which is a great reminder. Why was God against these individuals? He says, behold, I am against you, O Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And it was because of their pride, because of their idolatry, because they failed to recognize who God really was, who who's the creator uh, of all things. And Nathan, I find that even today there's people uh, finding themselves in the camp of Pharaoh where they are doing things that God is against them. God is not for them. But yet God wants them to draw closer to him and he wants to break down certain barriers and humble people so that they will come to know him personally. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're finding yourself today fighting against God and God is against you. Well, we want you to understand the Bible says that God doesn't want to be against you. God wants to be for you. But the way that that happens is through a personal relationship in Jesus Christ. And maybe you haven't stopped to allow God to enter into your life and be controlled, uh, uh, be in control of your life. And maybe you have the desire today and we want to give you an opportunity to respond so that God will not be against you, but that God will be for you. And that starts when you surrender and you turn to God and you give him an opportunity to be Lord of your life. And Nathan, maybe there's someone out there who doesn't have the relationship with the Lord and they have a desire to draw closer to God. Would you be able to share with them briefly how they can start the relationship even right now? That famous verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, Jesus, 
shall not perish, but have eternal life. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when we surrender our lives to him in repentance and faith, Jesus did the saving work on the cross. He's the only work that matters is the work that Jesus died on the cross and beat death by resurrecting from the dead. And when you put your faith and trust in him, you're accepting that free gift of eternal life and forgiveness. And if you haven't made that decision yet, then, then pray from your heart. Something like, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've been rebelling against you. Please forgive me. I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Jesus will forgive Praise you. Praise the Lord. The guilt will be washed away and you will inherit eternal life forever. Woo! And I will say praise the Lord again to that. Thank you so much, Nathan, for sharing that invitation. Hey, if you trust the Lord, let us know. Call us, text us, 305-992-9537. We would love to celebrate you coming to Christ and we'd like to send you a Bible and a study guide so you can grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And well, we thank you all for tuning into our program. As always, we ran out of time for this segment of the program. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones saying goodbye. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Have a wonderful week. Believes in him should not perish but have eternal life.